Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode number 20, which is called A Good Country. I want to start this episode by asking you a very simple question. If you were told that you had to live in a different country from now until the rest of your life, where would it be? Where would you decide to go? That said, how would you go about choosing your new country, your new destination? What criteria would you use? How would you go about looking at a country and giving that country a report card, so to speak? So, in other words, how would you rate each country? And furthermore, what are the factors and the characteristics of that country of your choice that would be the tipping point of your decision to go to that country. I do want to bring up some basic concepts here because I think I want to challenge you to just think about your own country. And not only that, I want to show you that how each country behaves in the international community is in so many ways tied to that country's attitude and approach to sustainability and the environment. So what I want to talk about in this episode is a concept that is really rather simple and maybe even childish. But, you know, while this term is mostly used to speak of a person that's immature and bratty, so to speak, What I'm referring to is a concept that is so simple that even a child could understand it. And yet this concept is consistently ignored on the international stage. And it is this concept that is directly tied to a nation's sustainability practices. Now, friends and family that know my personality traits, my desires, and And my habits also know that I really, truly have a love of adventure and a love of travel, of course. And I would have to say that I'm fortunate enough to have lived and worked in several different countries and spent many months at a time outside the United States. And I do this because I love, I simply love the cultural stimulation. You know, I love meeting new people seeing new places, learning about new foods, and, and of course, making new friends. I do this because I simply love the cultural stimulation. I love meeting new people. I love seeing new places, uh, experiencing new foods, and, of course, I always seem to make new friends. But I also travel because I have often considered living outside the United States for a long period of time, 
just simply for the experience of doing something different. And it is because of this desire, whenever I travel, I do make an effort to meet expats. And I, and I don't mean only Americans because, you know, sometimes as a general rule, I kind of avoid Americans just because I'm in this different country to experience a different culture and to meet new people that are outside of my own culture. But what I'm saying is that I make the effort to meet expats that are from various different countries. And one of the things that I do is that I ask them all sorts of questions, of course. You know, for example, where are you from? How did you end up here? Why did you choose to leave your own country? And why did you pick this one? And are you truly happy living here? And of course, I always seem to get all sorts of interesting answers. And this is how I end up in long conversations, of course, and, and, uh, and making new friends. But after years of doing this, I will have to say that I do see certain trends in the expats that I meet. And those that I meet that are the least happy they, in, in my opinion, they abandon their own country out of uh, a sense of frustration. You know, maybe they were angry over national politics or angry due to some of their financial challenges or maybe it was personal issues or a lot of it sometimes has to do with the inability to enter retirement comfortably in their own country. But on the other hand, the happiest expats that I have met were in the country of their choosing simply because they wanted to experience something different. So what I've learned from firsthand experience while traveling and living in different countries is that you have to realize that no country is really truly perfect. No, no government, culture, climate, financial institution is ever really going to be perfect. And I really learned a lot about this actually when I was living uh, in the, the St. Kitts area, um, working for a university and uh, just had to learn how this culture and government and all the rules and regulations were different than, than in the United States. So, and some of it was frustrating, uh, but for the most part, I just, I didn't have a choice but to learn how to function because they, of course, weren't going to change what they were doing just, just for me. But, you know, one thing that you really, truly have to realize, to some extent, you know, no matter where you go, there is always going to be crime, corruption, uh, manipulation of funds, various rules and laws that don't seem to make any sense whatsoever, and, of course, people in power that seem to think they don't have to follow the very rules and laws that are supposed to govern everyone, you know, as well as various other things that makes life more difficult than it really truly has to be. But these things exist no matter where you go. So the simple fact is that no place is perfect. Each place has its own unique challenges. So, consequently, you have to live there because 
you just simply choose to do something different. And then of course, you have to figure out a way to produce a lifestyle that's suitable for you and one that simply makes you happy. So I'll ask the question again, if you had to live in a different country, where would it be? So first out of the gate, I have to give complete credit for some of the information in this podcast to a man named Simon Anholt. And Mr. Anholt is the founder of what's called the Good Country Index. And if you want to visit his website, it's called simply called goodcountry.org. I came across Mr. Anholt during some of my research for blog posts and podcast episodes, and I think I found his information when I was researching my episode on the most sustainable countries. But what I truly enjoyed about the concepts that he presents is that in many ways they are deeply connected to the concepts of sustainability. Now, Mr. Anholt has written several books during the course of his career, and one of the most recent ones that he's published is called The Good Country Equation, How We Can Repair the World in One Generation. And this is a book that I highly recommend. And as I said, of course, the concepts that he presents in this book are so basic that people and nations, for that matter, always seem to overlook the obvious. Now, when reading his book, you know, I thought about something that I've heard over and over again. You know, every time there is some atrocity is committed that gets national attention, the response of so many people is always the same. Well, what is this world coming to? Or I can't believe what the world is coming to these days. Or you know, it, it's something similar to that. But, you know, it's interesting that in part of Mr. Anholt's book, he talks about the basic appetites of humanity. There's four, in fact, he describes four basic appetites. One is a cultural appetite, which is for art, heritage, and, you know, seeking some sort of social meaning. Uh, the next one is an intellectual appetite, meaning exercising your mind then there is of course a spiritual appetite where we seek a deeper meaning of life and death and just simply exercising our soul and then finally of course the animal appetite which is food drink sex shelter and the acquisition of uh, possessions then he speaks about how there are few cultures in the world that seem to satisfy all of these appetites. And when things go unsatisfied, people and nations, of course, will go to great extent to repair that or to satisfy those appetites. And he also speaks of the natural cycle of human civilizations. And of course, it's related to his concepts of there being four appetites. And that cycle is that civilizations seem to rise and flourish, then they become strained and decadent, then they decline and fall. And 
In our modern world, in fact, the only thing that's really new is the fact that we now have the power to take most of nature down with us. So the simple fact is, in my opinion, is that the world is now doing what it has always done. You know, and, and what is new is the simple fact that with modern communication and the internet, of course, you know, someone can can do something on the other side of the planet and commit a crime that society views as being an atrocity, and then we hear about it 10 minutes later. And one other thing that I found interesting in his book is that, you know, he states that a culture that worships money, or, or I should say that only a culture that worships money, could make the mistake of thinking that money plays such an extensive role in how the world works. And furthermore, he talks about the notion that we have that rich countries have an obligation to help poor countries. You know, especially since the rich countries are, in many cases, responsible for creating and maintaining this wealth gap. But this is a system that simply reinforces a world order that's based on economic competitiveness and thus it further entrenches the inequality that already exists. So what about the good country? Again, how would you choose your new country if you were told you had to go and live somewhere else? So here's something else for you to think about before we, you know, I'm circling the airport here a little bit, but I'm getting back to this concept of the good country. But there was a book that was written by uh, a woman named Kate Pickett and a man named Richard Wilkinson that was published in 2009. And these two authors supported the theory that Inequality is the reason for much of what is right and wrong in any given society. And that inequality can, in fact, drive people to crime. So, wealth and poverty has far less to do with it, but it's the inequality that drives people to crime. And this is why the United States has similar problems to some developing countries, simply because of the inequality that exists in our culture. And you also have to realize that it's that inequality that leads to social problems that are played out on, the, on a global scale every single day, simply because of the internet and our ability to communicate. The side of prosperity in the rich world tends to drive social problems in the poor world. And, and another point that Mr. Anholt brings out is that the amount that a society has to offer the world has remarkably little to do with its economic prosperity. So I would truly encourage you to visit Mr. Anholt's website. Again, that's called goodcountry.org and just view what he has there. There's a lot of really good in-depth information there. But to kind of summarize it, 
The underlying concept of the Good Country Index, and thus the topic of this episode, it is really very simple. To measure what each country on earth contributes to the common good of humanity and what it takes away relative to the size of the country. And as you will see, his Good Country Index is truly a unique way to evaluate exactly what country you would live in if you had to leave your home country. And yet, if you do your research, you will easily find that there are numerous companies and numerous different indices that are out there that rank places to live. In fact, there there are really too many there to, to even try and discuss, but there are two indices that I found that are really quite valuable. One, of course, is the Good Country Index, and the other one is called the, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, the Legatum Prosperity Index. That is L-E-G-A-T-U-M. And in, in fact, I'll have a link to this um, uh, Prosperity Index in the transcript of this episode. But again, go to the Good Country Index and look at the Legatum Prosperity Index page and look at the top countries that they list. Denmark, Norway, Switzerland, Sweden, Finland, Netherlands, New Zealand, Germany, Luxembourg, Austria, and Iceland are some of their their top 10 or 11 countries. But you, you see, when you think of a good country, do you have a tendency to think of good educational opportunities for your children? You know, a secure and stable government? Or do you sit and think about a world-class golf course? When what you should be thinking about is things such as personal freedom, the cost of living, health care, work and business, happiness, quality of life, safety and security, as well as how that country pays attention to the environment and the climate, of course, as well as sustainability practices. So do you think, when you think of going to live in another country, do you think about the everyday amenities that are so easily available in the United States? Or do you simply have the desire to live in a socially, economically, and politically stable country? Because it is, in fact, these things that would make your life abroad much easier and much more enjoyable. So by now you're probably wondering, what is my point in all of this discussion about a good country? Well, Mr. Anholt's Good Country Index doesn't really measure what a country does at home. There are many other ways of, of doing that, of course. He, he really looks at each country's external impact on the world and what does that country do for others after all in our global community what we do at home does in fact in many ways affect the world that's around us so is there really any longer a true separation in domestic policy and foreign policy And like I said, by now you're probably curious as to 
what the heck the Good Country Index has to do with sustainability. But if you listen to my episode about the most sustainable countries, you know that the countries I talked about were Norway, Switzerland, Iceland, Germany, Sweden, and Finland. And in the process of researching material for this episode, you know, I even began asking myself which country I would choose. And in the, in the process of all of that, I noticed something very, very interesting. There is almost a direct correlation between high-ranking countries in Mr. Anholt's Good Country Index and the most sustainable countries. So that realization really made me wonder about something else. If a country ranks high in the Good Country Index, this means that that country is concerned about their impact on the world around them. But does that also mean that they focus more on their environmental impact? This also begs the question that if a country exists only to serve their own needs, does this also mean that they have little regard for the environment because as a general rule they could care less because their own needs come first? It would seem to me over anything else, if I had to choose to live in another country, I would not only want to live in a good country, but I would also want to live in a country that was concerned about the environment and sustainability. Because after all, these things directly impact my quality of life. But the only way to produce such a country is that if we strive to produce such a culture. And you know, there are a few things that people have said to me that I always remember, and much less taken those concepts and try to apply them to my own life. But at one time, I was hired to completely reorganize this one hospital because it was portions of the hospital were not making a profit. And needless to say, I had significant challenges to overcome. And one afternoon, I sat in the office of the president and CEO of this organization and was discussing my challenges. And what she said to me is, it seems to me the underlying problem is that you need to establish the right culture in the workplace. And you know, she was absolutely correct. And I truly think that the same applies to our present culture. I do feel as if we now live really truly in some exceptional times because who would have ever thought there would be a pandemic? Who would have ever thought that world travel would be restricted as it is now? Who would have ever thought that we would commonly see the civil unrest that we do now? Who would have ever thought you could walk into your neighborhood supermarket and see the shelves empty. But you know, the natural cycle of human civilizations is that they rise and flourish, they then become strained and decadent, then they decline and fall. But the exception this time around is that we now have the power to take all of nature down with us. So there is something 
that I think about regularly. You know, and it is the fact that no one seems to pay attention to what is going on in the world as long as it has no direct impact on them. It seems to me that we are constantly distracted by one crisis after another after another, and the media doesn't help matters because they dramatize everything for their own purposes. And this simply serves to take our focus off of what is really important. It does not help that the media exaggerates the dangers around us, but the underlying problem is that we must first establish the right culture and it must start with the individual. My younger sister and I were having a conversation about this very sort of thing the other day. And she said something to me that I think I will remember for a long time. She said, it is as if the world just passed a road sign that says, danger, cliff, 50 feet ahead. And we all just sit around looking at each other and say, well, it hasn't happened yet. So I find it rather interesting that in the Good Country Index, the United States actually ranks number 38. But should we not at least be in the top 10? Should we not be at the point to where the world falls asleep at night being thankful that we even exist? The only way that is going to happen is that if we are just as concerned about our impact on the rest of the world as we are about our own domestic problems. And that includes focusing our attention on sustainable living and how we set an example in the international community. So circling the airport and getting back to my original question, If you were told you had to live in a different country from now until the rest of your life, where would it be? Where would you go? Would you have to make a life-changing decision? Or would you be so proud of your own country and your own culture to simply say, no thanks, I already live in a good country? So I truly hope at this point that I've given you something to think about. Do we live in a good country or do we live in a place where the average person is more concerned about their own needs? And if this is true, how can we improve? You know, the only thing worse than going in the wrong direction is going in the wrong direction enthusiastically. And I truly believe that many of us are simply running in the wrong direction because We are so influenced by the things that are around us. But the best way to work against that is to simply educate yourself on what you can do to change the way you live and how you conduct yourself every day. So think about this during this coming week. Despite all the things that are going on in the world that you have absolutely no control over, there really truly is something that you can do for yourself. Which brings me to my challenge for you this week. Think about ways that you can adopt the attitude of continuous personal improvement through education. 
this way, and this is the only way, that you can leverage the one thing that you always control, and that is how you use your mind to develop yourself. And that, folks, is my final thought for this week. So think about how you can develop that attitude of continuous personal improvement through education. And again, folks, think about that this next week. And if you have enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast, as well as Off-Grid Living News. Have a fantastic week, folks, and please stay tuned for next week. And remember, always live sustainably because this is how we build a better future.